I on that uh, Brendan Fraser, you know, posting Facebook group that I joined because mm-hmm. um, oh, that's something I joined. Um, <laughs> yeah, like he was a bunch a convinced, of incels. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, we'll unpack that in another episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but <laughs> and, And a two, and a one, two, three. Can y'all hear me okay? <laughs> Marcus, I don't know if I can do this. Okay. You can. You got this. Oh, yeah, you got this. I have no confidence. Let's do this. Welcome. <laughs> nope. Welcome to the VF Comics Podcast, the weekly comic book sequential art podcast for all types of readers. Every week, we explore the world of comics in an effort to educate ourselves and you, our listeners, on all of the great literature you may be missing out on. This week, joining me is Jamming James Harris. Hey. <laughs> oh, God. I hated that. Screw you, Marcus. <laughs> yeah. Mar- Marcus wrote this, guys. Also with us is the totally timeless tyrant of trust, Tom. Hello, everyone. Hi. I think some of those words weren't real words, but it's fine. Uh, and finally, Marcus, I'm not reading this. <laughs> read it (laughs) (laughs) finally the best looking i hate marcus (laughs) smartest and most incredible person who ever existed marcus oh hey meg thanks so much for saying that that's so sweet that's what a great introduction it's a horrible person yeah (laughs) i I do what i can um so how are you guys that went exactly how i wanted it to go (laughs) did it it was like yeah it felt it felt really good yeah (laughs) congratulations i'm glad you're happy this butter (laughs) (laughs) um how's it going guys pretty pretty good yeah no, I, my week is like, and lately, I just feel like I can't ever catch up. Like, I'm always, yeah, I feel like that. just constantly going until the very end. And then when I sit down and rest, uh, just in the middle of zoning out on something, I'm like, remembering that I forgot to do something or mm-hmm. I, you uh, know, yeah. I've caught myself just like kind of zone scrolling on my phone and then being pissed off that I've wasted an hour of free time. Like, just doing yes, absolutely nothing, and the so most relatable. See, this week I decided to start beating myself up over that sh- over that stuff because yeah. yesterday yeah. I took a four hour nap, and it was glorious. It yeah, does sound nice. nice. Yeah, I'm real jealous. Good, I watched for, two, good, good for your body. And then I watched Halloween four and Halloween five in a row. <laughs> you're living a oh. good life. Why those two? <laughs> Maybe you're not. Okay. That's what was on. <laughs> four right, is the good. one where he like crushes that dude's head and the stairwell, right? Yeah. Right. Yep, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Same also, now. they're yeah. way worse than I remembered. Especially five. <laughs> uh, well, good. Happy for you. They um, all have their proponents. So- <laughs> I don't think I've even gotten that far. I think I stopped with like, I don't know, not that far. 
Yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about that. Okay, good to know. <laughs> Actually, I saw the sequels before I saw the original because I watched the original <laughs> with Maybe Marcus like a couple it. years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I had oh, seen yeah. like Halloween Four on TV prior to that. So. When y'all watched it, I just have a. I'm just curious about this. When y'all watched it, did he have the subtitles on while you were watching? It? He does that. He does. What he, the? He does that. What is that? Oh, Marcus. It's habit okay. out of Ashley. Like, it's not me. It's habit out of living with my wife what, because what kind of she, savage does she? It? <laughs> It, oh, I do it watching, too. I'm, I'm really glad that he brought that up because that I is a thing. <laughs> you could, it's not my fault. It's my wife. I gotta <laughs> blame her. She cannot hear anything anyone says in a movie at all. She has got to watch everything with subtitles. So I like zone it out. I don't notice subtitles anymore. They're automatically on every single device. Mm-hmm. Same. And it's on the Green Knight. It was perfect because it really did help. Yeah, but on things when you're watching Scrubs or something like that, I'm always <laughs> like, "What? <laughs> Why are they on?" If they're speaking yeah. English, you need those damn things off. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I think um, so. The, on, on our comic book podcast, we're going to move on to our first bit of news. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think Marcus is talking about our You'll first make... piece of news. Yeah, I'll talk about the first thing, that. and it's something that makes me upset a little bit, but also it's really cool. <laughs> so this week I saw, um, and it was reported in like New York Times and Gizmodo and all that, that Amazing Fantasy 15, uh, the debut of Spider-Man, beat the record for a comic book sale, which was originally the, uh, the original appearance of Superman. And personally, I think that's crap. I appreciate both Spider-Man and Superman for what they are, but I think it's crazy that Spider-Man beat out Superman. Um, this is my very biased <laughs> and controversial <laughs> opinion about that. Um, Spider-Man is a very important character, and his first appearance is a very important issue in comics history, period. Um, I just think the original appearance of Superman is the single most important comic in history. What was the grade on that one? I mean, wasn't it like nine point six or something yeah, like that? Really it, high. it was. It said that the Amazing Fantasy number fifteen was in, was pristine, and it's only one of four copies known to exist in this condition. Mm-hmm. It sold for three point was it three point six million dollars, and it originally cost twelve cents. Mm. So, so is that something where the quality of the artifact itself? deals with the price over you're arguing the quality of, of the book and character in, well, to and, you. And in, in that capacity, like, yes. Um, now action comics, number one still sold for 3.25 million, which when you compare 3.25 to 3.6, when you get up to past 3 million, you're looking at like a change difference um, there in qualities. Yeah, Jeff Hang Bezos on, was just in a hurry and was like, look, I got to win this one. I'm just going to Yeah, and, th- and like, I think that's it. It's just like, who wants it? Who's willing to pay that much for it? So it really doesn't apply to like, you know, everyone thinks that the Spider-Man is more important than the Superman. You know, it's an auction. It's what people are willing to pay for it. And I do think that if dependent collectors nowadays, and I, I know myself as a collector, I go for something that where it's a character or story that I really care about. That's what I collect, you know, what it means to me. And Spider-Man 
resonates with people a lot more than Superman, period. And so Spider-Man is a very important character and is worthy of this kind of money. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it was a 9.6. 9.6. I mean, man, I cannot believe they have that in a 9.6. I mean, and if you really think about it, uh, you know, the the sale, the last sale for Action Comics, number one, the first appearance of Superman, it was an 8.5. So having a 9.6 is yeah. going to, to, to probably catch you up a bit with oh absolutely uh, with the action comics i mean uh i know i gotta gotta mute you for just a second my dogs are going can y'all hear that upstairs a little bit yeah uh hey are you upstairs okay Evie's going crazy and it's coming through on the well okay i'm i'm recording podcasts right now so, so get that under control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, love you, Mama. Everybody, make note this, of that. Yeah, keeping this going, in on, the, the going on the audio record is saying, yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're keeping this in. All right, now that registering I, now that moral disagreement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to get us back on track, uh, James, you were saying that um, the action comics number one was an eight point five, right? Yeah, I mean, whenever you go from, you know, from from that grade up to like a nine point six, you're talking quite a bit of money, even on uh, on much smaller valued books. Uh, whenever you have a nine point six or something, that is, you know, that is a very well taken care of book, and especially books, from that long ago. I mean, you could get a book new in a shop today get it graded and it's not going to come out as a 10. It's going to come out as a 9.8. Yeah. Seriously? Right. So it's like practically Maybe. untouched. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. Like just so how you know how the working, even? how that works. It's like you could buy it, seal it immediately, send it off to CGC and you'll be happy to get a, a 9.8, 9.6. So like, this is something somebody like, well, and yeah. they, they operate a little bit on a sliding scale for older books. I mean, they almost have to. Yeah, um, that makes sense. You know, whenever you're looking at, you know, the natural degradation of paper and all that. But, uh, yeah, having one in that good a shape of a very popular character who, you know, has a ton of movies that are coming out, uh, has, you know, instant recognition. Uh, yeah, I can kind of see how it, it would catch up with it. But, you know, if, if there were an action comics nine point six out there, it, somebody would have to, you know, pay out the rear for it. I mean, oh, yeah. it would be insane to have an action comics number one nine point six. The foresight someone would have had to have had, uh, oh, yeah. just yeah, because, yeah, to save it like like that. Yeah, because back yeah. then, back then, you know, comics were a disposable medium. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the idea of comic book actual collecting didn't become a big thing until, you know, really the late seventies, I guess, maybe somewhere so, in there. So, so it's probably you know, printed on cheaper paper and, and stuff like that too. Right. Well, it was newsprint. newsprint. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't expect something 
you know, pre 1970s to have been, you know, put in a bag of board and taken care of. I mean, no. it's, it's probably been stuck in somebody's shoebox or, you know, something. And if, that makes it a, a lot more difficult to get those in higher grade. If you guys had that budget, what book would you buy? I've got like a pretty short list of that, but Detective Comics number 27 is number one on that. Uh, first appearance of Batman. Like I would, I, you know, you know, don't, you know, no one come after me and put me in jail. You know, we don't have pre-crime yet. It's not minority report, but I would absolutely kill someone. <laughs> for a copy. <laughs> it's like, where is this going? That. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a safe bet. Yep. I just I would buy a house. Oh, the yeah, thing that's that, good. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that sucks <laughs> is I would want to open it, but I also wouldn't want to. And that's the hard thing about buying those sort of things is that I'd want to I want to see all of it, but you can't do that and maintain like you could on a book that old, you could lose thousands of dollars. Whereas Megan can dance around in her dirty bare feet all around her house and it doesn't yeah, really true. lose that much value. It's good. So Megan's yeah, probably got the better use of her funds. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would Thanks. probably buy an action comic comics. Number one, uh, hold on to it for like a year, sell it for a little bit more and then <laughs> use it to feed children. And, yes. And, uh, hey, yeah, that's, awesome. that's great. That's great. Yeah. So. <laughs> James wins. Sorry, Marcus. Thank you better than me. He 100. I mean, the, his actions swear you're reading I mean, your book with your bare hands and your dirty someone. underwear, degrading <laughs> after you. If you're talking murder. about when I, when I sell Detective Comics 27 to feed starving children, the answer to that on the next episode of the Detective <laughs> Comics podcast. <laughs> so, if you're asking me if I'm better than you, I mean, are you talking about just as a general human being? Yes. It's oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a fun, fun topic. Moving on. Unless Tom, did you have one? No, no. I was just curious. Like, if what, what? I mean, they're big experts, and I, I would love to know what book, what book would uh, would fetch that price tag for you. Well, if you're looking at investment purposes, uh, number Action Comics one probably will always be the uh the holy grail because i mean any superhero can you know trace their roots back to that uh the first modern superhero it doesn't even really matter if superman's you know kind of like now not doing that great you know as far as yep. you know property everything stems things from like that that book from that from that book yeah yep yeah yeah i mean we've seen so many references to it and even like spoofs of it and things like the Simpsons and stuff like that, you know, um, with detective comics, you said it's issue 27 that it's the first mm-hmm. one that Batman comes in. What were the first 26 issues about before Batman? The racism. Um, <laughs> it was kind of an anthology series. Okay. Um, okay. The, uh, but the first issue of Detective, is, uh, yeah. Oof. The first issue of Detective has a notoriously, uh, I guess you would say, uh, stereotypical uh, portrayal of uh, 
of Asian culture, I guess. Oh God. But, uh, that's a lot of comics. Like, have y'all, have y'all never seen the cover to number one? I pulled it up for you. Uh, I've seen uh, action comics. Yes, but not detective comics. Well, Marcus is incompetent. So we're moving on. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Wait, I got, it, I got, it, I got, it, I got, it, I got. It. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. No, that's bad. Yeah, that's bad. No. So, yep. <laughs> that <laughs> is a uh, note to end on. <laughs> oh Jesus! What okay, year was well, that? I'm trying to think. Good stuff. I try to look what at it in the it? context of the times. Yeah, whenever it came out, it was it was back in the. Late 30s, early 40s, probably. 1939. Wow. Okay. I mean, it could have come out in 1700 and it's still racist. Yeah. True. Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. <laughs> still not great. Moving on. <laughs> um, so, uh, graphic novelist and cartoonist Allison Bechtel recently came out with a new graphic novel. Um, so, if you know who Allison Bechtel is, um, you know that she is the author of. Fun Home and creator of the Bechdel Test, which uh, that is actually something that I didn't know existed until just recently. Uh, oh, but you've she... never heard of the Bechdel oh, Test? Oh, wow. Nope. Wow. I okay. have not. Oh, wow. Yep. Most um, everything fails it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But um, so she came out with this recently published graphic novel called The Secret to Super Hu- Superhuman Strength. And the book goes through Bechdel's life. Um, from kind of birth to right now. And she talks about how physical activity and exercise fads have sort of been an integral part of her life story and um, how uh, just kind of looks at her life through the lens of exercise, which is a super strange concept, I thought. But I read part of it and really enjoyed it. And uh, it seems to be getting a lot of good, good-ish. So I'm going to read the little descriptive blurb real quick from the website. Comics and cultural superstar Alison Bechtel delivers a deeply layered story of her fascination from childhood to adulthood with every fitness craze to come down the pike. From Jack Lalanne's in the 60s to the existential oddness of present-day spin class, readers will see their athletic or semi-active past flash before their eyes through an ever-evolving panoply of running shoes, bicycles, skis, and sundry other gear. But the more Bechtel tries to improve herself, the more herself appears to be getting in the way. She turns to for enlightenment to Eastern philosophers and literary figures, including beat writer Jack Kerouac, whose search for self-transcendence in the great outdoors appears in moving conversations with the author's own. This gifted artist and not getting any younger exerciser comes to a soulful conclusion. The secret to superhuman strength lies not in the six-pack abs, but in something much less clearly defined, facing her own non-transcendent but all-important interdependence with others. Sounds like a really reflective read, and I think I'm yes. perfect the way I am, so I might skip it. Oh, okay. Well, uh, that's I on you, not. man. I have that Kerouac <laughs> book that uh, she's talking about. Really? Where he, uh, what? Where he Why do you just... What, you gets, have it right uh, there? Why do you have yeah. it in your hands? <laughs> Why do you I, just well, have I, it? I, I set it next to the computer after I was doing my research like I'm supposed to on reading uh-huh. what we're talking about and stuff like that. Uh, and I saw that in the description, and I, I, uh, I, I've read both of those books that that Jack Kerouac talks about getting outdoors, and and that first Man, you one get is, a gold uh, star for that. 
<laughs> thank you, thank you. Yes. Uh, that first one is the Dharma Bums. It's, it's a great book. It's a, I it's just thought you had book. that with you, and I was very impressed. I'm still impressed. <laughs> no, I was trying to be still trying to be impressed. prepared. <laughs> Tom has it on himself at all yeah, times. Like, what? For a while, that was the case. I really love that book a lot. Oh. Nerd. Well, I looked at a little bit of this. It, I was actually going to read it before we started, but it was a bit longer than I anticipated it being. Um, but I really enjoyed it so far, and the art is really nice. I mean, she's very talented, so. I don't think this would disappoint. Um, so yeah, the Bechtel test, I had never heard of that. Oh yeah. My wife told me about that. Mm-hmm. Um, way back when we, like, when we first started dating. A long um, time ago, I kept finding movie and book reviews where they use the Bechtel test and mm-hmm. it was not kind. Yeah. It's kind of a lot. Every movie. Yeah. 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 Uh, for those listeners who don't know what the Bechtel test is like me, because <laughs> I didn't know what it was. Um, so to pass the Bechtel test. So this first appeared in her comic uh, Dykes to watch out for in the eighties. And she kind of, this was kind of started as just like a tongue and cheek, tongue and cheek thing. And um, it became what it is now, which is apparently a thing that everyone except for me knows about. Um, so the criteria to pass the Bechtel test is that a work of fiction must have at least two female characters and they have to talk about something other than a man at some point in the work. And uh, the characters both having names is sometimes an added criteria. But yeah, I, I can see how that was like tongue in cheek, silly. Yeah, right. But it's like a lot of comedy comes from the truth. And even though it's like she came up with these rules, I feel like because she noticed these things, that would be oh, funny yeah. to say something. And it became very clear that most stuff couldn't do those three yeah. real simple things. Yeah. Really simple. And like, I, I was looking at a few... Th- oh, oh go no, ahead. go I'm ahead. So what are you going to say? No, no, I'm so sorry. I'll wait until you're done. You are both oh, so God, polite, Tom. We're going to do this forever, Tom. You talk about how, like, you mentioned in the outline, like, movies like Before Sunrise, you know, where it's mm-hmm. just two characters, so like, it's really hard to apply that. And, uh, and yeah. it is interesting that, like, a story like Before Sunrise, and I think there are three movies... With those two exact same characters in it, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there are how how that's yeah an impossibility because the story is about their relationship, right? Um, exactly. So it's interesting to try and think of it from that angle too, of like, oh, how how would yeah. you apply that theory there? But then also the movie, oh. the Avengers, the first Avengers movie doesn't pass the test. Like yeah. that's something that probably should, <laughs> yeah, um, but not necessarily. I mean, it's it's. I don't know. I think I, I think that it says a or lot Lord about of the Rings. Twelve hours of film. Yeah, and Lord of the Rings doesn't pass. Twelve no, hours. Doesn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None of them pass. Yeah, but that's kind of a sausage fest, though. I mean, it's oh, one hundred percent. Who's who is? Uh, oh no, it totally is. There are no ladies in the party. You know. No. Yeah. Right. Aowen uh, does mess up that Witch King, though. She does. Yeah. It's yeah, good stuff. She does. So when I was, I was actually trying to find an article about comics and the Bechtel test, but I came across a different article that I wanted to talk about briefly or essay article, essay research paper. It has words in, in a set of things. So we're going to talk about it. So in this essay that I found, it's called analyzing the gender representation of 34,000 476 comic book characters. And this is by Amanda Shindrick. So basically this essay paper thing took a bunch of comics and looked at how women in it are represented in each of the comics. So it doesn't necessarily talk about 
okay, so we all know that men are in comics more than women. That's just kind of a a thing. That's just kind of how it is. So it doesn't talk about that. We all know that. It talks about um, how women are depicted and how men are depicted. So what different superpowers does one have versus the other? Um, how their names are different. Um, how many token men versus token women are in you know, the comics, things like that. And it's really interesting. So I'm probably going to include a link in the description or Marcus's. Marcus, can you include a link in the description? I definitely will do my best to remember. Okay. Well, I'll, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> you're, you're awesome. But um, so, cause it's really interesting. And if you're really into like nerdy data talk, then you should read it. But it basically, yeah. um, so according to like the data that they collected, uh, men are more likely to have powers involving like strength and um, more physical powers. And then women are more likely to have powers that are like telepathy and empathy related and that have more to do with intellect. Um, and so men weirdly also have more gadgets than women in comics for whatever reason. I don't know what the deal with that is, like, but anyway, women need more and, gadgets. Um, apparently, and so it also analyzed the names of various male and female superheroes. Um, women are more likely to have the name um, like girl in their title, whereas men are more likely to have like man or lord or something like that, which is gross. So only five percent of women in um. Only five percent of like female characters have are um have the name woman in their title, whereas thirty percent of men do. So that's cool. You know, I was, anyway, when you said Lord there, I was trying to think of like how many characters have Lord, and I immediately was like, oh, Star Lord and Star Girl. I mean, unrelated yeah. characters, but mm-hmm. same opening, different endings. Yeah. So anyway, I like that article. Highly recommend it if you're interested in looking at stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, something I've always been a proponent of is if you love something, you also need to be able to openly criticize it. And I love comics. I love this medium. It's what I spend most of my time reading. But in comics, you know, and maybe not just in mainstream comics, I'd love because it says that the article talks specifically about superhero comics. I'd love to see analysis done on non-superhero comics, I'm sure it comes out the same because majority of your creators, I would say, are still men. And so you're going to be more likely um, to see that. But it's like, it's a very valid criticism and one I can hope, one I would love if it's changed. But a lot of that is opening up the, opening up this uh, reading format two people like comics or have long been associated with, you know, young boys. And that's, you know, that being the audience uh, to the point that if you go to a children's toy section, you know, like when I was a kid, you couldn't find like a pink ranger and yellow ranger toy. They're one of the five rangers, but you couldn't find like the female characters. And so there's, you know, we, and their argument is always with the toys or with books is that, well, the, our target audience isn't going to buy that. And so it's our responsibility to start buying that sort of stuff. Like to see something that's good and not just look over it because, you know, 
we're, you know, inherently without even thinking about it sometimes sexist because we're like, oh, we see a woman on the cover, not interested. Um, yeah. So that's my, that's my, yeah. Yeah. There's been a pretty good trend lately of, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's more, you know, following, following the, the predominant thought, uh, in culture right now or what, but notice that more male writers, uh, who are going indie and are writing about, uh, female characters. I mean, uh, I think it was Scott Snyder who's doing Noctera as a female mm-hmm. character. Um, you know, there's, there seems to be some, uh, some initiative being, you know, made as, as far as trying to get more female characters out there in indie books. And, uh, I, I guess at the big two also, um, but, uh, you know, they have varying de- degrees of success. Yeah. It's, it, what, who are some of the larger female writers? Like, Pretty much anybody that the internet hates is pretty much. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, about, uh, I know one of the cool. biggest and most successful female comic book writers is probably like that I'm aware of is like Gail Simone. I had the chance okay. to have an opportunity to meet her. What does she write? She's, she's written a bunch of different characters. I personally read through her. Uh, was it Batgirl? Was it? Yeah, it was Birds of Prey. Birds okay. of Prey. Birds of Prey. And but she's like written several other things. Um, she did write for some of the Batgirl series, Wonder Woman, Deadpool, Adam, uh, Secret Six. Um, she has like several of her own self published, uh, not self published, but you know, like ind- independent series. Um, so like she's probably one of the biggest female writers I've seen, and I follow her even on Twitter too. But you know, there's lots of there's lots of others, but like she's the one that always sticks out to me as one I'm aware of. Yeah, and she's as kind as can be. I, I meaning her. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, it just seems like it makes sense to give women artists and women writers more opportunity to write those characters themselves mm-hmm. than to give those characters to to male writers. And... When I feel like so often you see you see things, you know, it's like with anybody, when someone writes a character that has a similar background as them, they have a lot more insight and a woman is going to have a better insight on what it's like to be a woman (laughs) than a man's going to. (laughs) Turns out, um, you know, I'm not saying that a man can't write women. There's plenty that do. And there's plenty of women that write men really well. Um, But, you know, like when you have like an all female um, cast, you know, some of those, let me see. Like I was going to look at who um, I was looking, I was trying to think of like some books I know that with like with predominant female casts and one of them was paper. He doesn't know them. Huh? Yeah. And I don't, I don't know them. I don't know them. I don't know them. But like one that came to mind was paper girls, but it's written by Brian K Vaughn. Not that he isn't a great writer and not that he hasn't done his research or talked to people, but sometimes someone writing from actual experience versus someone writing from research, it just is different. Yeah, it's a weird thing to talk about. I feel like if women talk about this, then they're just seen as like shitting on the comic book industry and just complaining that things need to be different. I mean, like even just reading this and looking up and seeing that I'm talking to four men made me not want to talk about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, like, <laughs> I no, I that was something I was aware of, and it like when we were having the conversation too. I was just like, like yeah, uh, this this is a weird thing. But anyway, 
I, I mean, it, it is it's it's good to talk about because nothing changes if you don't have the conversation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, definitely like you and Marcus both make a great point on there's a stigma about criticism. And whenever you do love uh, any any kind of medium and and I definitely think that that's what makes things better. And honestly, criticism is is what elevates something into a serious format. If you care enough to criticize it and you're not just ingesting it like candy or, you know, writing it off the minute you're done with it, it, it gives it meaning and it, it, it does elevate it to an art form. You know, that's, you, you criticize it because you are involved with it emotionally and, and you care about it. Yeah. I just kind of think that the superhero genre is almost like, too broken in that regard to really oh, it's so have much, it's so have so much uh, those yeah. types of conversations. That's one thing I didn't uh, like about where, the article is that it was just sorry, just superheroes. Sorry. Well, and I, I think that's where women can really, uh, you know, create a huge uh, sea change in the industry is you know just bringing something to the table other than just superhero stories, you know. Yeah, I mean, clearly everybody's having a difficult time with it. And if you look at media from other countries, uh, there's such a, you know, such a worldwide mm-hmm. desire for uh, for stories that uh, that uh, focus on women. Uh, you know, you would think that that would eventually come to the comics. Uh I'm hoping that it does because I think a lot of stuff is stale in this industry. So, oh yeah, I'm really enjoying what's being put out by not the big two. Like, there's just so much more different stuff. Even well-known creators from the big two are coming out with very different things. And you know, I, I think we've talked about in a previous episode that you know a lot of creators use the big two to get going. You know, get that like get well-known there, and then getting off that train to, for their own creator owned uh, content. And, you know, we're definitely seeing more and more of that. A lot of big creators have jumped ship, but that's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) 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 Oh, okay. Well, that got heavy. Um, We're running a little short on time. Marcus, do you want to go ahead and give us your recommendation? We are not running short on time. You're short. Uh, uh, I mean, Short compared to Tom, but he's excessively tall. Are you? Yeah. Uh, six four. I did meet Freak. you, but I don't remember. You did meet you. you yeah, that's yeah, you pretty tall. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to talk about um, that. <laughs> so <laughs> party. Yeah, it's it's yeah. That was a fun birthday party, though. Um, <laughs> so I I hate doing this recommendation after the very heavy con- conversation oh, no. that we've had I'm because so sorry. the book is not a heavy book. It's a pretty light book. That's okay. Uh, we need it. Part. Give it to us. So thanks for that intense lead up. Um, yeah. So the, the recommendation I brought with me this week is I, I really like horror and I like horror done well. I mean, I enjoy my B movies and my like horror adventure and horror comedy, but sometimes I just like some horror. So, Starting next month, we at the at the podcast are going to start watching non-superhero-based comic book movies and talk about them once a month here. So in my excitement, I decided to read one of my favorites, which is 30 Days of Night. 
I really like this book. I love the art of this book. I really like the movie because at that time and even now, like it was a scary vampire movie. The vampires were so well designed. Um, you know, I just think it's just good horror. Um, if you've seen the film, the setup in the book is very similar. Um, but for those who haven't seen it, uh, the town of Barrow, Alaska is so far north that once a year, there's one solid month of nighttime. So naturally, a group of well-designed and frightening vampires seek to take advantage of this situation. In the book, the art is very dreamlike and kind of like this weird, you know, even though it's, you know, a very modern, like modernish setting, very gothic in the way that they've decided to do it. Um, I have seen some critical complaints about the simplicity of the story, but I like that it's directness. Vampires show up, they mess people up. There's, you know, a group of people trying to survive. Um, and in the end, some things happen. And even though the story is as simple as it sounds, there are bits of world building speckled, sprinkled, sprinkled, ah, uh, sprinkled, sprinkled throughout the book. Like there's little bits here and there where you're like, oh, there is a larger world going on here. But if they didn't make anything, if they didn't make any other 30 Days of Night books, this would be a solid book to read. Um, and a lot of the world building they didn't include in the movie, um, which I thought was kind of a strange omission. But they, if you want to read more after you've read the first uh, 30 Days of Night miniseries, there are sequels to this. Uh, but this by itself, standalone, is pretty... Pretty great. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, it's it like the art here is just super dreamlike. There's there's Josh Hartnett's character. Even. I've never heard of this. Yeah, neither have I. Oh. oh wow, yeah, no. The um the book is worth reading in my opinion, and the movie is very good. Um Man. and it's just a just a really good horror comic. So that's my recommendations this week. It was by Steve Niles and Ben Temple Smith. They've done an incredible job. Uh, if I end up reading any of the sequels, I'll let y'all know. But for some reason, I just never have. But um, I've had this for a while. It's really good. That sounds great. I love vampires and spooky things. Yeah. That's a that's a nice Rick. The vampires Thanks, in this Mark are like, X. it's the first frightening looking vampire I've seen since, what was it, Bram Stoker's Ooh. Dracula, when he turns into like that part man, part bat in the uh -huh. bedroom. Do y'all remember that scene? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I remember being as a kid being like, what is that? That is <laughs> awful. Oh my Ooh, gosh. Yes. They are yes. screwed. They are all dead. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely more of like a monstrous depiction than like your classic. Dracula dead and loving it. Dracula, mm -hmm. kind of thing. Dracula dead and loving it. <laughs> It's such a stupid, funny movie. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen is Dracula. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Children really of the night. What a mess they make. That's fantastic. I love it. Um, yeah, so short recommendation. I just, yeah. I, you know, I probably could have gone more places with it. If we hadn't just had the conversation that we had, but I'm like real taken. No, right no, now. that's okay. I think that was a good place to end on. Thanks. Hey, did anybody has there, nobody's not everybody's watched Shang Chi yet, right? Tom hasn't. Mm -mm, no. Okay. Well, we're not going to talk about that then. James, did you see it yet? Yep. Okay. It was awesome. Tom. It was good. <laughs> Can I have to get into the theater, man? Yeah. 
I know. It's a, I, it's we a went that made me jump really early and, in the morning. It's the first one I've been to. Okay. Was it packed when you went? It wasn't when I went. I went good, Saturday okay. morning last week, and there were 10 people in the entire theater. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. I went this morning at 11. Oh, nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y'all doing, y'all listening to, nope, that's not the sentence that I meant to say. Y'all, <laughs> y'all read any good books <laughs> this week? Any recommendations or anything coming out that you want to talk about? Mm. I don't really oh, have something anything. something that's coming out? Yeah, uh, if you have anything. Well, another uh, Jeff Lemire uh, release, Primordial. Looks really great. It's got the uh, same creative team as uh, Gideon Falls, which he had done uh, the last few years. Uh, it's about a. Uh, it's about the story of the uh, animals that were shot in, in, into space to. Uh, early on during the uh, Russian space program. Uh, the U.S. ended up sending two monkeys as well. Um, that uh, it basically is about if these animals didn't die, they were taken, and they end up re- returning home, I'm assuming, with a chip on their shoulder. <laughs> so uh, that looks pretty interesting. So, uh, I always like the uh, the uh, stuff about the uh, early days of the space program, um, and Gideon Falls is just one of the great series of all time mm-hmm. to me. I mean, it is fantastic. So I hadn't missed it, and I picked up volume one, and it is incredible. I think he's one of the greats of our time. I think Jeff Lemire, Jeff Lemire. Jake Lemire says, as uh, as <laughs> James as Jam and James calls him Jake Lemire. Le- uh, Le- no, remember he called him Jake Lemire oh, yeah. earlier. What do y'all say, Lemire? Um, Lemire? I say Lemire. You know. say Lemire? I, I can yeah. go both ways. I honestly don't um, remember now what I said. Um, but um, yeah, I picked up his other new book that just came started uh, this last week, which is uh, May's book. And I talked about it last week, um, so you can go and listen to last week's episode if you want to hear the premise for it. But it is incredible. The artwork is very, very good. Um, I believe he did the art for this one himself, which Looks he does like it. from time to time. He, I mean, the dude can, I, you know, I'd eat his poop. Um, That's real weird. Is that too much? That's we don't talk about that That's on the... That's a compliment the, right the, here. Okay. What you're supposed to say is you would buy clean rating. We, I, we lost that. It's, yeah, it's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> say whatever you want now. Yeah. It's <laughs> so reading the Anyways. premise of that Gideon Falls book, and that sounds really awesome. I definitely want to read Oh, this. I have volume one, buddy. I'll bring it to the you. The Black Barn, is that what it is? Or Red Barn. Red Barn. The Red Barn. Yeah, okay. sort of a... I always tell people that it's like the most recent uh, series of uh, Twin Peaks oh, um, with yeah. like some really serious yeah, so it says it's inspired by it. the Black Lodge. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? <laughs> Do we need to go around the room? <laughs> Raise your hand if you want to talk. <laughs> can I? You're the host. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever the hell you want. You're the Marcus <laughs> is getting kicked off. Uh, he's gone now, folks. 
It's two weeks in a row you've joked about kicking me off my own podcast. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's too many. You did Just say there's a little better. bit of truth in, in comedy. In, you know, in comedy, so. yeah. <laughs> Megan is slowly plotting to get rid of me and take over. <laughs> no. Well, all you right. You know, there's well, like a listener out there like, good, I'm sick of listening to that dude. I keep trying to finish talking and Marcus keeps interrupting me. And now I know how he feels oh, like when I you do, do this. to me. Yeah. <laughs> really yeah. bad. Yeah, now I know how you feel. It's awful, I'm sorry, isn't it? Marcus. It's the worst. It's actually yeah. terrible. <laughs> well, thank you, guys. <laughs> we have to stop. <laughs> all right, close it out, Meg. Close it out. It's your fault. <laughs> No. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. Thank you guys for joining us this week at the VF Comics Podcast. You can find all of our episodes on our website, vfcomicspodcast.com, and from your favorite podcast provider. Make sure to subscribe or follow to keep up with all the best comic book news and suggestions. You can find us at VF Comics Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to get all to get other comic book info, uh, participate in discussions, and offer your own suggestions to us. We'll see you all next week. Megan, you did so good! No, I didn't. You did! That was incredible! You were such a great host! No, Um, and James already texted me and said, Marcus, you're actually bad at this, and Megan's better. (laughs) You're just saying that, so I'll do it again. I'm proposing a regime change. Yeah. (laughs) I I signed the petition. I'm, I'm on it. Yep. No, it already has 1,000 signatures. No. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that was All fun. Right.